let me just, uh, before I start, thank all of you who were here yesterday, the cleanup day. Um, I, I really appreciate it. A number of people showed up and, and did, a, did a lot of work, and that uh, service is greatly appreciated. I had to be somewhere else, and so I especially appreciate you all being here and taking care of that. Hey, Jesse. It's good to see you. Please don't take it personally that I greeted Jesse. I just haven't seen him in a long time because he doesn't live here anymore. So, isn't being a good person enough? I mean, what more do you want? As Kurt was saying, this is a relatively common and I think uh, sticky question, objection that people have about the Christian faith. It sort of gets at that, what do you really want from me? You know, I'm trying my best. I'm trying to live a good life. And this is where it sort of twists. It's like, so wait a minute. You keep talking to me about Jesus. Are you saying I'm not a good person? Really, right here in America, tell somebody they're not a nice person and not a good person. It, it really doesn't go well. I had, a, I had an entrance into that when I, was, when I was much younger, low three or four years ago. When I was 23, I was in this situation. I was an intern at a large church. And one of my tasks was when people visited and, and they wanted to, to know more about the church, I would, I would sit down and talk with them. So in, in this instance, I was with a, uh, a, a more mature couple. They were in their 70s. And the man was a Scottish Presbyterian, and I was 23. And, and so I was talking to them about what we believed about having a relationship with God, what we believed about Christianity. And I... And I broached into the subject of, of, of sin and whether or not he felt like his life, all 73 years of those, had been lived the way he wanted to, or did he feel a gap? And as I was going into this, and I was really very articulate as I was explaining this to him, he stopped and he looked at me in a classic but profound non sequitur. He looked at me and he said, and I, don't, I won't do the Scottish accent because that would be ugly, but he stopped and he looked at me and he said, you are a very young man. And it was sort of like, I don't really think I need to say anything else, young whippersnapper. Someone's like, are you really, let me just get this straight. Are you really trying to tell me that I'm not good enough? That you and all of your 23-ness know more about what it means to be a good person than I do? I was undaunted. And so I launched in. And I said, "In, in, in your years of living. Do, do you never feel as if you have not lived the way you ought to that, you know, and I was trying to get the idea of, of, of need of him not living up to an internal standard or an external standard. And have you ever felt like that your life has, you, you've, you've sinned in some ways. And he looked me in the eye and he said, no, I never have. And this was classic. His wife who was sitting there with him, she rolled her eyes. And she said, oh, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. Interestingly enough, I mean, the rest of that conversation didn't go that well. However, about six months later, he became a Christian. It, it, it was sort of, it was, it was wild. I was not there at the moment, but, um, and so I'm not going to say in any level it was attributable to anything I said. But it introduced me into this topic that telling somebody, seeming to tell somebody they're not a good person, their life has not been good enough, they're not really all that nice, doesn't go that well. Because here in America... We're decent people. Let's, you know, Hitler was bad. You know, there, there's some others like that who are bad, but we're decent people. And so really, are you saying, what do you want from me? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing my best. Do you think you're somehow in church morally superior to us? There was a, a quote, there was an article in the USA Today this week about 
religion and service to this to to communities, and it made a, a pretty startling, or staggering correlation between religious involvement and involvement in serving a community or a city. Really high. I mean, a real high correlation bet- between the two. Unfortunately, it didn't say that it was because of people's belief in God. It was more because of the power of, of the network of, of a community. At least that was their take on it. But as this was being presented to, to, um, to somebody, in the head of the American Humanist Society, that apparently Christians were doing more for the world than, than humanists were, he didn't, that didn't go that well for him. He, he didn't, and so his response to that, that was, look, we do as much as those religious people do. And then with a sort of a wry, you know, cry, he said, we just don't attribute our non-belief in God to why we help people out. We just help people out. He's really getting at, let me get this straight. I'm a decent person. We're, we're doing stuff in the world too. Are you really saying that I'm not good enough? Perhaps for you, I would be surprised if there are not some of you in the room today who feel like this. If you distill this down, isn't being a good person good enough? You might say something like this. Look, I believe the whole Jesus ethic thing. Seriously, there's some beautiful moral teachings in the life of Jesus and in the Bible. There's some stuff I don't like, but there's some beautiful moral teachings. This, this whole thing about doing unto others as you'd have them do unto you. and You know, putting, putting others in front of yourself, love others as... You know, you love your neighbor. There's some powerful moral teachings in, in the Bible. And, and so I respect that in Jesus. And I actually find value in it. And I use it to, to shape my life some. But it seems like you want something else from me. And while I'm okay with the ethics and the general spirituality of Christianity, it, it, what is this thing about something more than being a good person? Do I, do I have to really connect this thing with Jesus in some other way? Because after all, when it's all distilled, isn't the goal for all of us simply to be better people? Isn't that what all of us want? And so if that's what all of us want, then as Gandhi said, as long as you derive inner help and comfort from anything, keep it. Play no favorites. If all we're about is being better people, if that's the goal, and after all, that's what we're after, then whatever helps you to be a better person, a more virtuous a happier, a healthier, a stronger, a more comfortable person, well, then keep that no matter what it is, whether it's faith or, or non-faith, whether it's, you know, some talismans you keep in your house, whether it's a hobby, whatever makes you a better person, that's what we're all after. So really, isn't being a good person enough? What do you want from me? Here's the thing. That's not the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity is not to make better people. The goal of Christianity, the end, when it's all said and done, it's always important in understanding any movement or, or uh, any project to understand what is the end game. The end game of Christianity is not to produce better people. If it were... Tim Keller, who wrote the book, I'm going to quote from a minute, Reason for God, that we're encouraging you to, to, to pick up. He said, if the goal of Christianity is to make better people, then, then let's be honest. We've had a 2,000-year run here. It's a pretty abject failure. Because we can't successfully argue that what we've done in Christianity is make better people than other systems have made. 
In fact, I will be so bold to say that even though I have been a pastor for 25 years, I have friends who are not believers that I have a suspicion are nicer than I am. And I must tell you that even though I have a suspicion, other people have more than a suspicion. You know, I, like everyone in America, am a decent human being. I'm pretty nice, but I'm not that nice. If we're going to evaluate the effectiveness of Jesus based upon how nice I've become, I'm not sure we're going to get very far. Tim Keller, I love how directly he phrases this. He says, Christians then should expect to find non-believers who are much nicer, kinder, wiser, and better than they are. Why? Because the goal of Christianity is not to make better people. Might happen. We all want to be better people. It's not the end game. It's not the point. What is, in fact, the goal of Christianity? The goal of Christianity is to restore people to a relationship with God. And so, isn't being a good, person, a good person good enough? It all depends. What do you want? Good enough for what? Christianity offers more than self-improvement, which would be fine, or a bit moral virtue, which would be great. Christianity offers restoration of a relationship with God. The question is not, how good do I have to be? The question is, what is it that restores somebody to a relationship with God? And to this question, Christianity answers it quite different than other religions and philosophies of the world do. I'm going to read to you one uh, verse prior to the passage we're going to look at today. And this is, I'm reading out of the book of Romans in the New Testament. Romans was a, a, a book written by uh, uh, a follower of Jesus named Paul who was writing to a church in, in Rome. And in these first few chapters, he, he's, he's building a case about what the point of Christianity is. And he's trying to cut across religiosity of the day. The religiosity of, of Greek culture, which said there's the good life that can be lived. And what is it that we can do to live the most virtuous life possible? And cutting across the spirituality of what much have Judaism had had become over time, which is more of a set of law-keeping. I can keep all the rules, then maybe everything will be okay between me and God. And, and in a summary, Paul says this, No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. He says, no, no, you, you don't understand through following the principles, the laws, through trying to become a better person, no one becomes right before God on that basis. Rather, what happens, truly, if we try to follow all the rules, is we become conscious of our inner failure and our inability to actually do so. You see, the moral philosophy and the religious philosophy of really any other system in the world would say something like this. There's a God out there, he wants you to have a relationship with him. And here's what you have to do in order to get it. And if you follow these rules, and some of them are very difficult and some of them are simple. If you follow these, these are what it takes in order to 
be in a relationship with God. And the idea is if I do the right things and I do them enough, I mean, some of them you have to do every day, some you have to do once in your lifetime. If I do the right things in the right way, then this will give me a relationship with God. And what Christianity says is, no, no, (laughs) no, it won't. And this is why. Why isn't being a good person enough to answer the question, how do I get right with God? Here's why. Last week when I talked about Christianity as a crutch, and and I said, well, in fact, it was a crutch. Because what Christianity was, was addressing an actual need. And one of the ways I framed that was this. Every one of us within ourselves has a sense of a way we ought to live. We have a moral oughtness. We have things that we think are true and they're beautiful and right. We have this sense within us of how we ought to live. And on the other hand, we have our actual self, which so often is looking way over there at how we feel like we ought to live and is unable to reach it. And so we experience a gap even internally between who we are and who we feel like we ought to be. Now, if it were simply a battle within me about oughtness and actuality, that would be one thing. But what if this were true? And this is the picture of Christianity. What if this were true? What if that moral oughtness was not arbitrary? What if it were, in fact, a derivative of the character of the God who made the universe? What if that sense of right and wrong was really only a small shadow of the reality of who God was? And what if God wasn't somebody who started the universe and then said, I'd like to have a nice civil society down here, and so let me create some good rules that if these human beings will follow them, their culture will go better. Let's see. Let's start out with don't kill anybody. That would be good. Don't steal from other people. Don't lie to other people. Love others before yourself. Don't live selfish lives. That's it. i got a list here. If these humans will follow this list, then the world will go better. Well, what if that actually wasn't it? What if the reason why we have this internal sense that truth is good, that justice is the way life ought to be lived, not because God set a bunch of rules, but because it's actually who he is, that the character of God was mercy. He wasn't telling us mercy would make life go better. The character of God actually is mercy. What if he wasn't saying it's a good idea to love other people, but the character of God was love at its core? What if he wasn't saying you should treat other people more fairly, but the character of God was just? This is, in fact, the picture that Christianity presents. That there was a God. And that God has existed for all time in beauty and in holiness and in love and in mercy. And the kicker was you and I were actually made to be in relationship with him. Not to be better people. To be in relationship with him. There's a... Book was written like 1700 years ago by a guy named Augustine. Confessions. Augustine was a man who was engaged at some level with people t- t- talking to him about Christian faith, 
but he was also experimenting with a whole series of other things. And in the course of that, he made some discoveries about his own need for God and his desire. And he, in the beginning of this book, Confessions, articulates what is at the heart of the question that Christianity is trying to answer. And it says this, You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. The point of Christianity is not to make better people. The point of Christianity is to answer the question of how you and I who were made for God can once again be connected to God. For that is where wholeness of life happens. See, if that's the case, then isn't being a good person good enough? No. No, not at all. You might say, and you might say with accuracy that you're a better person than I am. But I'm not the standard. Christianity sees, says that there's a God who is love, who is mercy, who is just, who is beautiful. And yes, while I don't even feel internally I meet my own standard, how about his? I was made to be connected to God. You were made. Your heart was made for God. And in the course of history, in the course of time, humanity, in general and individually, walked away from God. Lived lives that we convicted ourselves internally with what I felt, what we felt, but were far distant from the life he called us to. The drift became unpassable. There was me with who I actually am. Sure, there's moments of beauty and there's moments of love, but there's moments of pettiness. There's a good deal of brokenness. And then there's God. Majestic. Beautiful. Love. Mercy. The question that Christianity tries to answer is this. How do I get rightly connected with Him? And this is what Paul says is the answer to that question. No one on their own is going to make it back to God. But now, a righteousness from God apart from the law, a right standing from God apart from how we act, has been made known to which the law and the prophets, that means the Old Testament, to which the law and the prophet testify This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, this is what, this is the picture Christianity presents. It says, listen, it's not about being a good person. There's more. I want to give you a relationship with God that your heart was made for. And there's only one way possible. You cannot possibly live well enough to earn your way into the presence of God. Really, how many, how many things would you do that would make your heart holy, perfectly loving and merciful, that would connect you with that God? How many things would we possibly do? And what the Bible says, it sort of wants to dismantle it and say, please, please, let's get rid of that notion. Forget about being good enough. I'm offering you God. And he says, I'm going to now give you a righteousness, a right standing before God apart from how you act. Do I believe you'll change? Yes. But apart from how you act, I'm going to give you a relationship with God. How does that happen? In space and time, 
the Son of God, entered the planet. He lived a life where people were astounded by his teaching. He lived a life that set whole new standards for ethics. He lived a life where people who even don't believe in him are still struck by his teaching. And yet he kept with this curious notion to his disciples that he was going to die. And they were, you know, correctly thinking, Jesus dying is going to hurt our movement here. Let's, let's keep it going. You know, we're just getting rolling here. You dying is probably not the way to go. And yet he resolutely moved himself toward a place where he was crucified. Why? Because his decision, and he, he explains his decision was to pay for our sin, was not to offer us self-improvement courses, was to show us our need and to pay for our sin and to give us forgiveness. Essentially, Christianity is an exchange. It says this, God says to you and I, you give me your sin, I'll take it. I'll hang it on my back, I will die for it. In return, I will give you myself, my righteousness, my holiness, and you can be right with me once again. Christianity starts with bad news. The bad news is, are you good enough? No. I'm not. You're not. Your neighbor's not. But no one is. We're not good enough to have this thing. Are we good enough to be decent people? Sure. If that's all you want out of life, go for it. God is offering you much more. He's offering you himself. And in Jesus Christ, that's why, that's why when someone perhaps has presented Christianity to you and said, no, no, it's not about your actions. They're offering you more, not less. They're saying, I'm going to give you a relationship with God if you will turn and face the fact that you have separated yourself from God and receive his forgiveness. And when you do that, he will usher you back into a, a relationship with him that your heart has always longed for, that it needs, that it wants, that without which it will ever be restless. If you're somebody who has not ever put your faith in Christ and you're one who has thought, I'm just, I'm doing my best, I I commend you. I'm glad you're doing your best. And you're trying to live a life that's as morally upright as you can and There's more. Today, today I challenge you to accept the more. To don't settle for slugging through life, trying to be the best person you can be. Instead, to realize there's a God who's calling to you and is offering you a relationship with him that you'll always have and you cannot lose and for which you were made. If you are today a follower of Jesus, there's two things I'd say to you. Number one is, I think, relatively speaking, at Warehouse, we do a better job of not being trying to be shiny, happy people than in most faith communities I've been at. We have other issues. But we do a better job in general at not being shiny, happy people. But still, still, it's hard to resist the temptation, isn't it? 
Because at some level down there, we still think, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to be nicer. It means to be kinder. And so I have to at least pretend to be nicer and kinder. Because that's what good Christians do. Please do not walk out of here and say, well, I heard the pastor say he doesn't want us to be nice and kind people. Please. (laughs) But what I'm saying to you, the path to wholeness in Christianity is by admitting where we're not. Weighing into the relationship that God gives us and then seeing us change inside out, but treasuring first what he has for you, which is a relationship with him. Don't try to be shiny, happy people. The second thing I'd say to you is we have a heart at warehouse to help other people in the midst of our city not become slightly better people. We have a heart for them to know that there's a God out there who is calling to them. And the truth is, at the point when we can realize that it's not about our good behavior, but about a relationship that God has given us, we become far more missional. Because for good reason... Much of the people, many of the people in our country have heard somehow that what Christians are saying to them is, you need to be better than you are today. We can be part of a movement that's no longer saying that. That's not judging the lifestyle. That's not judging the actions of people who do not follow Jesus, but rather of those who are saying, do you want more? Sure, being a good person is good. You were made for God. That's what I'm offering you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that little by little, day after day, you would squash that notion within us that still wants to believe it's about our own willpower and our own strength, but rather receives a relationship with you, longs for that relationship with you, and out of that lives our life. I pray that you would fuel us as followers to be people who love others, who don't harshly judge their actions, but offer them hope in a relationship with you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. At this time, as we move into our time of worship, it is your time to, to engage. I don't know if you know it, but at Warehouse, we seek to do a certain flow every Sunday. In the beginning, we offer up what we call the lament. What's the question? What do we wonder? And then we look at what the Bible teaches us about how to face life, how to live, and then we move to a time of response. This is the time of response.